we're a consumer facing company and are really comfortable building consumer facing products. So that's just really where our strength is. And one thing we've been really careful about is making sure that we stay in our lane of competence and our lane of competence is consumer facing products. So that's the primary reason why we're there. Hey, this is Jesse here, and this is the Betting Startups Podcast. You're about to hear episode 66 with Evan from Outlier, which is guest hosted by my friend Dean Sisson from Profit Exchange. But before we get started, I want to sound the alarm that SBC Summit North America is only two weeks away, and it's shaping up to be their biggest and best event yet. Join all the major players in the fast-growing North American iGaming and sports betting industry in New Jersey for three days of high-level discussions, business meetings, and networking. And of course, the first pitch competition is back, which will see five promising startups pitched to a live judging panel. You can bet that we'll be there, and we hope to see you there too. If you haven't secured your ticket yet, it's not too late. And better yet, you can still save $200 on your ticket by using promo code BSP23. For more information and to secure your ticket, go to www.sbcevents.com. And again, use promo code BSP23 for a $200 discount. And I'll see you in New Jersey soon. All right, we are back with episode 66 of the Betting Startups podcast. And once again, we welcome back a guest host to commandeer the microphone from me. And this time around, it's Dean Sisson, co-founder and CEO of Profit Exchange. And Dean, we had you and your co-founder, Jake, on the podcast about eight months ago, right around the time I think that Profit launched in New Jersey. So it's been quite a while. And this is right around the time I'd asked how things are going. But actually, around a week ago, some news came out that Profit just raised over $10 million in fresh funding. So congratulations on that first and foremost. And I guess with that announcement, I'll infer that things are going pretty well. But why don't we get a quick update from you on Profit anyways? Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, uh, I just came to the realization that when we were on the podcast for the first time that it was right around launch. So this is a great little catch up. We closed the NFL season strong. We did a million dollars, a little over a million bucks on the Super Bowl, which was great. That was that was the highlight of the last six months, I would say. We've been getting a lot of customers coming in recently. We've off the back of our $10 million round, we're starting to, I'll say, explore a little more on the marketing side. We're seeing our cost per registrations come down a good bit. So I'd say right now is, you know, like like I've been saying to these press outlets that we're focusing on our product right now. Everything that is looking inward to grow outward. So from increased liquidity to added deposit methods to trading in and out of your position without having to front any additional capital to our smart wallet, everything is designed to make the user experience much, much better come July, August, and then we'll ramp it up again for the NFL season. So things are happening. Things, things are moving along. I'm, I'm pleased. Right on. Well, look, as always, I'm rooting for you and the Profit team as you guys continue on your mission. But let's shift focus now and actually talk about a different company. In this episode, you chatted with Evan from Outlier. And I'm wondering, Dean, if you can tee it up and give the audience a quick preview of what they're about to hear. Yeah, so I was very interested in Outlier when I first came across it. And Evan has a super interesting background as well. I think naturally gravitates towards the business side a little more. That's where my interests are. So I was asking him a lot about his founding story, his traction to date. He actually had a pivot early on, which was super interesting. Not an easy one either. Um, he had over 10,000 customers before he pivoted his company. So we dug into that. He's got a super interesting background and now his company is only alive four or five months and he's crushing it. But uh, I won't give away all the details, but it was a lot of fun. 
Awesome. Well, look, it was a really insightful episode, Dean. You crushed it as host. So thank you again for jumping on for this one. And with that, let's get into your discussion with Evan from Outlier. Hello, everyone. My name is Dean Sisson. I am the co-founder and CEO of Profit Exchange. We are a peer-to-peer high-frequency sports betting exchange located in New Jersey. However, I am not here to talk about us at all today. Um, I'm here to talk to Evan Kirkham, who's founder and CEO of Outlier. Evan, what's going on? Hey, Dean. Nice to be on the show. Good to have you. Full transparency. Uh, this is my first time hosting a podcast. However, Jesse, who normally hosts this podcast, I guess he saw some talent. So uh, if there's some friction here, I apologize in advance. I, uh, I, I trust Jesse's gauge of talent. <laughs> So anyway, I thought it would be good to get started with your background, tell the audience and the, and the listeners who you are, and ultimately what they should know about you and about Outlier. Sure. Yeah, happy to kind of take it from the top. So yeah, my name is Evan Kirkham, co-founder and CEO of Outlier. I'm from the Dallas, Texas area. I grew up there, um, did my undergrad at the University of Mississippi, graduated in 2013, spent a few years uh, in D.C., actually doing political fundraising, which has proven itself particularly useful when raising for Outlier. Eventually, I got a little bit jaded about politics and, and went to law school back in Dallas at Southern Methodist University. Graduated there in 2017 and practiced law in Dallas as a securities litigator for about three and a half years. Uh, it was 2020 when, when I founded the company with my two co-founders, both really good friends of mine. And, and actually, at the time, we founded it on a, around a completely different product. That product was called ColorCast. It was a social sports talk app where anyone anywhere with no equipment can commentate on live sports. It's kind of like a clubhouse for sports or, you know, just a, a broadcast platform where you get to be the broadcaster. Um, last year, kind of contemporaneous with our seed raise, which I'm sure we'll talk more about, we actually pivoted the company and brought out an entirely new product completely focused on sports betting and sports betting analytics, consumer facing called Outlier. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm here to, to talk about today, but it's been quite a journey, tons of ups, tons of downs, but, uh, but, uh, but a pretty cool ride um, all the way through. No, we've, we've spoken about this before, but from politics to sports betting, that's a, a very unique journey. So uh, very interesting that you ended up in, in sports betting from political fundraising. Something that, that I think would be good for everyone to know is, you know, you, you said you pivoted from ColorCast to Outlier. Um, yeah. What's the founding story behind, I guess, ColorCast and then behind Outlier? Um, yeah. When did you know that you wanted to move from ColorCast to Outlier? And then when did you have the pain point realization for, for ColorCast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so starting with ColorCast. So I was, at, again, practicing law. I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, so obviously I watch every game. I know a lot about the Cowboys. I don't know everything, but I know a lot. And uh, I'm sitting on my couch watching a Thursday night football game. I can never actually remember who the Cowboys are playing. So it's it was either the 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 Eagles or the Giants. I I think I tell it different every time. But playing playing a <laughs> uh, rival and uh, two notoriously awful broadcasters were on the call: Jason Witten and Booger McFarlane. And you know, Dak throws a touchdown and. <laughs> Jason Witten is just kind of muted. I mean, there's no excitement. There's no, you know, he's not cheering for for Dak or for his team. Uh, and I got honestly just so frustrated with the vanilla broadcasting where 
a player like Jason Witten, who will go into the Hall of Fame as a Dallas Cowboy, couldn't be excited about his team. But I actually just turned off the TV and thought to myself, you know, like I said, I don't know everything about the Cowboys, but I can be passionate about them and, and surely someone would tune in. Uh, so that's where Colorcast started. We, we worked on the project, I think, for about a year and a half. We grew it to 10,500 monthly active users. We're doing about 500 broadcasts a week. Really, really proud of the team for, for what we built. And yeah, it was great. And, and there's, there's a lot that I still love about the model. I still love about the app. But what ended up happening is, you know, in this kind of new economic regime where revenue is everything and, and revenue generation and profitability are king, we kind of saw the writing on the wall. And we're like, look, Again, 10,500 monthly active users, thank good. And we certainly had a ton of momentum, but we had to pivot to a business model that was exactly that, actual, an actual business rather than us just growing and growing and growing the number of monthly actives. So fortunately, we already had agreements in place with the four major sports books, um, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, Caesars. And those agreements were your basic CPA agreements, but what they gave us insight into was their APIs. And so we started seeing, you know, what the odds looked like. Um, we started learning a ton more about sports betting. We had people on our platform saying, hey, is there a way that I could bet through ColorCast? So we actually got a lot deeper in the sports betting space. And what we realized is that our team was actually perfectly positioned. We're really, really heavy, heavy product team. I mean, we've got five full-time engineers. They're very kind of data, data-driven and, and um, great at data manipulation. So what we realized is we had a really great team to bring a consumer product to market that would help an average or, or certainly an intermediate better distill historical player data and make more confident sports bets using that data. So that's kind of the origin story of Outlier. We weren't sure what the extent of the pivot would be, but once we launched the web app and, and kind of a beta iOS app and started getting feedback on it, we realized that we were really, really onto something and that people would actually pay for this. Uh, and so, you know, we, we hard pivoted. Colorcast is, it's, we still have the tech on the shelf, but the AWS servers are spun down. So we, we don't, uh, it's not available on the app store anymore. So yeah, we are all in on Outlier and um, are certainly happy that we pivoted when and, and how we did. Say a courageous move, I'll call it, when you have 10 to 11,000 monthly active users. Hell, I would take that right now from for our platform, 10 to 11,000 monthly active users and then shifting to a different business model. It's almost like you you guys built out an MVP or, or almost like a free-to-play app and then shifted into the the app that generates Mike. That, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And we didn't know, uh, you know how many of our users would move over when we made that, that announcement. And in fact, it's actually far fewer than I expected. Uh, we had a ton of successes with Outlier, which I'm sure I'll get to talk about. But yeah, it was a really, really scary moment. We're like, who's going to move over to the new app? You know, we didn't want to fall victim to the innovator's dilemma. Not that we're some giant company, but like it's hardest to pivot when you're having success. And I do think we were having success with Colorcast. It's just, again, we saw what was happening in the broader economy. And we knew that we, if we were ever going to get to a series um, we needed to show really, really strong revenue generation, if not profitability. And the path to that via Colorcast actually seemed a lot more difficult than spinning up a completely standalone new app, rebuilding the community and finding our way to profitability. Really smart leveraging what you have for as much as you had. 
I guess on that note, first of all, if uh, if we came here and talk about Outlier, I don't know if Jesse would uh, ever have me guest host another podcast, but I guess let's move into Outlier. Uh, sure. Where are you guys as a company right now? Team size, customer size, when's the most recent round that you raised? Talk to us about, about where you're at. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with the most important part, which is the team. Uh, we, there are eight of us. We are pretty distributed. Two in Austin, two in New Orleans, but then outside of that, Chicago, New York, Denver, Portugal, you know, like I'm missing something, but yeah, so the team's distributed. We raised a seed round of $3.8 million last May. Uh, again, the timing was really fortunate there because that's right before the economy soured. So we kind of slid in right before, you know, the VC environment locked up. So uh, that was the most recent raise. We launched our web app version. If you just go to outlier. you'll see the web app. We launched the web app version in November of last year. And then we launched our iOS app at the very beginning of this year. We're seeing tens of thousands of monthly active users right now and are hoping to grow that number. Really strong retention, really strong uh, conversion from trial to paid. We charge $20 a month or $200 a year. We're thinking about toying with, with pricing a little bit, but TBD on that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of where we are. For, for us, the main thing now is how do we get wider and wider distribution? Because we know that if we get people in for a trial, they'll convert to paid, or at least, you know, a, a healthy subsection of them will convert to paid. Question is, how do I get more and more people signing up for trials and experiencing the value that we're providing? Uh, and so that's certainly the question of the day, probably of the quarter and, you know, maybe of the year. It's from inception until the time you exit, right? Um, sure. Yeah, that's probably true. How are you guys going about getting customers? So you said you launched a web app in November. I presume you launched the mobile app shortly after that. And then you said that not many customers from ColorCast came back or, or less than you thought came over to Outlier. So how have you garnered your user base to date in just four to six months? Yeah, so I'll tell you about the marketing channels, but I actually think the most important thing is product-led growth. And like I said, I mean, five of our team members are technical. Um, and so we've spent an inordinate amount of time and resources on the product. And I think it really, really shows we get a ton of trials and ultimately subscribers via word of mouth. And we spend a ton of time trying to attribute every download to the appropriate channel so that we know like which channels we can expand on, which channels aren't working, et cetera. So when I say word of mouth, unattributed organic, I don't just mean we're not doing a good job tracking. I literally mean someone told someone and we can't, we don't have a tracking link, right? And that in my mind is very much product led growth. So that's the primary driver. And that's really encouraging when we start thinking about things like product market fit and LTV and, and just like the, you know, any sort of like virality values. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is actually affiliates. So we affiliate with a number of different people across TikTok, Twitter, Discord, you name it. Uh, and we say, hey, look, we'll pay you X amount per new subscriber that you can send our way. That's been working really well. Uh, and, we, and we plan to scale that. So one that's a little more difficult to scale, I'd say. We're doing that. And then third is we have uh, some Discord bots. So we partner with sports betting discords. We install a bot that actually, and, and you'd have to kind of see the app to know what I'm talking about, but it actually mm -hmm. drops sports betting insights or posts sports betting insights in those Discord servers a few hours before tip off of the game. And ultimately what happens is 
the Discord members are thinking to themselves, wait, where are these coming from? And then they discover Outlier and then they start a free trial and then, you know, we're off to the races. So those are the three primary channels. Super interesting. I want to dig into that just a, a touch more because, again, 10,000 users in four or five months, six months is very, very impressive. For you, because these Discord communities, they're very, uh, I'll call it fragile, right? Like people don't want ads in there by any yeah. means. So how do you strike that balance? Yeah, actually, so that's, this is a interesting question and it's kind of how I like to think about partnerships. This is maybe a, well, I don't know, bold statement or whatever. It's a statement. In my mind, the most successful partnerships are ones where there's actually no exchange of dollars. And the reason I say that is because you know that partner A is providing partner B adequate value and partner B is providing partner A adequate value if the exchange itself doesn't include any dollars and you're not trying to like put your thumbs on one side or the other and scale. So for Discord, it's actually a perfect one-to-one trade where we say, hey, look, we're going to give you access to our inside spot. It's actually going to make your server more engaging, allow your members more to talk about, but they're going to be able to identify even you know more niche or, or interesting betting opportunities. And in exchange, we're just getting brand identification because, and brand recognition because those insights say, you know, posted by Outwire. So it's a perfect exchange of value and, and no one pays anyone in that relationship and, and all parties are happy. Smart. And my immediate question from that would be, and I, I want to start touching on the product a little more, but but first, who is your target customer? When, when these people come to your site, why do they come to the site initially? And then why do they stick? Have you found that inflection point yet? Yes and no. I mean, we've got some findings and thoughts and data on this, but uh, this is actually a pretty tough question to answer. I think it's one we'll be like, I don't know, digging into for the entirety of the, 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 the line of the company. But in short, we are generally targeting, targeting intermediate to advanced sports bettors, people that bet multiple times per week and are looking for a tool to help them place those bets. If you're a super novice bettor, you maybe have one sports book and you bet a couple times. It's actually kind of a tough pill to swallow to, to start paying $20 a month for our service. Although I'd argue that it's worth it right off the bat. In terms of what the funnel looks like kind of once you get in the app, you'll see that there are three primary feature sets. They're organized as tabs on the bottom of the app. So when you drop in, the first thing you're going to see are our trending insights. The trending insights say things like, in the last 10 games, on the road, after a loss, when guarded by a top 10 defense, LeBron James has scored over 30 points 9 out of 10 times. That's it. Pretty deep insight, and it's actually actionable because then we'll show you that's available on BetMGM, and as I'll talk to you about in a second, you can actually execute on it right then and there. So that's where they drop in is on those insights, and it's kind of like the browsing phase of, of bet placement. Once you browse, then the next thing you're going to want to do is analyze. So if you click into that LeBron James 30 point over, we'll show you, you know, how he's performed in the last 10 games, how he's performed in the last 20 games when Anthony Davis isn't on the court, how he performs when the Lakers blow out their opponent, how he performs when the Lakers don't blow out their opponent. There's all sorts of filtering, scenario filtering you can do, making predictions about tonight's game and seeing, you know, how LeBron James has performed with those same conditions in the past. Once you've gotten comfortable with that, you can add it to my picks, which is kind of a fourth tab on the bottom. What's really great is once you've done all your research and let's say you've added, I don't know, 10 different picks to your my picks in Outwire, we'll show you 
10 of 10 of those picks are available on FanDuel at these prices. Nine of 10 of those picks are available at Caesars at these prices. Seven of 10 are available at MGM at these prices and so on. And what's really great is that once you then say, okay, great, they're all, all 10 available on FanDuel. I want to check out on FanDuel. At the very bottom of that screen, there's a big old button that says, place 10 picks on FanDuel. When you click that button, it will launch your FanDuel app and put all 10 of those picks in your bet slip so that you can just check out. And so for us, the major thing here was everyone wants to do research and wants to make more confident bets. They're not really willing to put the time in to do it. And if they are, the worst thing in the world is having done all this research only to then have to go to FanDuel and rebuild your entire slip. So for us, we've increased the efficiency of confident sports betting by an order of magnitude. And, and I think that's why people are paying for the product. Let me run this back to you because I'm a user of your site. And what I really like about it is it's very compact. It's the yeah. best way I would put it. And from what you just said, and the reason I like it is because one, I get insights, right? I don't get you know, cheap Twitter accounts rambling about you know, whatever, right? It's just... It's data. Cold hard facts, right? It's, and then number two, I also get my price discovery right then and there. And then to put the the bow tie on this, I have the user experience that's the most optimal for me. And I can just right then and there load up my FanDuel slip, launch me into the FanDuel app, and then boom, I place my bets right there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We saw the sports betting journey, sports bettors journey divided into three component parts. Browsing, ideating is one. Analyzing is a second. Executing is a third. Historically, those have been partitioned to different players. Executing is fully on the books. Analyzing is on something like a staff news or an ESPN. Ideating is on something like gambling Twitter. We've really put all three of those in the same spot and made it way, 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 way easier than ever before to go from the position of, I don't even know what I want to bet on tonight to executing the line on the sports book with the best odds and you can do all of it in less than a minute and be really, really confident in your bets. Uh, and again, that's testament to our product team for really putting together a super user-friendly, uh, you know, kind of end-to-end experience there. It's, it's really awesome, man. I love this product. But something that, I, that came to my mind that we loosely spoke about before is, and this is where my mind goes, you know, having a betting exchange, I see a lot of job customers on the platform. I see a lot of where their action goes. I see the quantities that they're betting at. And yeah. the, re the reason they're doing it with us is because they can't necessarily get this type of action down on our sports. The first thing I thought of, or one of the first things I thought of is if you have this data or enough data and you trust it, would you make more money using that to be a syndicate? Now, when I say a syndicate, I mean just placing as much action as you can across a bunch of sports books. And that definitely has, it's uh, a very tedious factor. And there's a lot of friction that goes into getting action down at sports books. That's why being a pro better is very tough. But have you ever thought of that route as opposed to the B2C route? And then ultimately, why did you choose the, the B2C route to start? Yes, we've thought about it. We're not doing that right now for a few reasons. Chief of which is... We're consumer guys, like we're a consumer facing company and are really comfortable building consumer facing products. So that's just really where our strength is. And one thing we've been really careful about is making sure that we stay in our lane of competence and our lane of competence is consumer facing products. So that's the primary reason why we're there. I guess the secondary reason is to your point, even if I knew where to place all the best bets and what 
positive EV and well, whatever. Even if I knew where to place all the best bets, you still run into this friction of being limited by the books or, I mean, there's just all sorts of friction on like actually putting action down. And that's just not our confidence. Like, I, I wouldn't know the first thing about getting access to, you know, other books with unlimited action, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just really outside of our competence. What we do know, though, is that we can provide those opportunities to our end users and let them benefit from it. And the hope is that they become more confident, better. They win more bets. They tell a friend who tells a friend who tells a friend who tells a friend. And by the end of the month, we've got 10 of your friends that are finding value and paying us 20 bucks a month. And so that's really our model right now. But I don't know. I'd be lying if I, if I didn't say that internally we've thought to ourselves, damn, this is really powerful data and we could probably just bet ourselves. You know, I'm, I mean, it's a dense topic and, uh, if, you know, high level, you've got 10,000 monthly active customers. They're all paying 20 bucks a month. You've got $200,000 a month coming in. Is the, am I going to make more than $200,000 betting on these sites? Maybe, yeah. but maybe yeah. not. And also it's going to be a hell of a lot more stressful. <laughs> I can tell you yeah, that. Yeah. That's, there's also some fiduciary. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a former securities litigator. So I'm always thinking like fiduciary duties to invest first. And, uh, and and I, I don't even know how to start that comp. Like, imagine calling our league investor and saying, hey, w- would it be cool if we put down a million bucks on the uh, on the Eagles tonight? I swear it's going to hit. Yeah, we're pivoting again. And this time we're gambling. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a cool thought. So, yeah, probably uh, one for a little later. Yeah. Tough conversation to have. On that note, what's next for you guys? Yeah, so got to say a little close to the best on some of this stuff, but you know, here's what we're really trying to do as a company. We're trying to, like I said, put more and more and more and more people into the funnel and getting people starting free trials. And that's not just because you know we want we ultimately want more subscribers. It's because that's actually how we make product decisions is by getting a crazy amount of feedback. So we're we're fortunate right now that our users are really active and really engaged with us. So I mean, any given day we'll get dozens or at least handful of product recommendations and immediately our product team starts triaging those and saying, okay, what are things that we can do? What are things that we can't do? We'll put something out and be like, who else agrees with this? Who else thinks that this would be an interesting product upgrade? So, so in some ways we just, we're really letting the users decide where the product goes, which feels like very conventional startup wisdom. And it probably is, but that's really what's setting the, setting the product path for us. On the marketing front, I want to find some really strong partnerships where we can, like I said, where we can exchange and just uh, straight up exchange of value. So just like we're doing with the Discord bots, I would love to find a publisher and say, hey, look, you guys can have our insights. This is going to create way more engagement for you on your pages or with your content and, and with your audience. And in exchange for us, like we just get a lot more exposure. So I'm trying to forge some relationships like that. It's kind of what's on the short slash medium term on the marketing front. And then we have a whole suite of features coming out in pretty short order that are that are going to make it a lot more engaging for, for our betters. We're going to help you spot even better opportunities, even safer bets. So, and we, like I said, I'm staying a little bit uh, kind of close yep, to, yep. to the best here. We do. One thing I will tell you is in the next like week, we're going to drop V2 of MLB stats that are so deep and so user-friendly and frankly, so visual that I, I think that that's what will be the, the topic of conversation next, next time we talk. You know, that's really good because MLB-wise, they are the most stat head-esque 
are the ones who are setting on and who are avid MLB fans. I mean, you, you watch an MLB game and uh, there will be some stat that pops up on the screen like, oh, the, the guy at the plate had the most doubles in the middle of August uh, in the seventh inning. You know, it's just, yeah, everyone is just raving stats. So if, uh, if any affiliates or micro-influencers or publishers were listening to that, they should bang your line then. Totally. Outlier.bed. You hit us up there or uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm like kind of ridiculously active on LinkedIn. I think I'm probably muted by a lot of people. Um, so you can find me there and I'll, I'll respond to you in two seconds. <laughs> okay. Last question for you. How do you feel about the Cowboys this year? Oh my gosh. I haven't actually given this a ton of thought yet. Uh, I'm still on my Texas Rangers train right now, but um, how do I feel about the Cowboys? Hot take, but I'm happy that Zeke's gone. I kind of saw that coming for the for the last two years. I think it's time to free up some cap space. Pretty mm-hmm. bullish on the defense. Wish Kellen Ward stuck around. I don't know. What else? I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure that this is how it always goes. I'm sure that weeks one through three, I'm gonna be all disappointed about the team. Weeks, you know, four through eight, I'm gonna be thinking we're winning the Super Bowl. And then we'll make it to the playoffs and get smacked in the first round. It's pretty, pretty par. I love how every fan of every NFL team has like their own script of like what the team uses. <laughs> yes. No, like I'm a Dolphins fan. Like we're gonna we're gonna be eight and eight and nine, nine and eight. I know what it gets. You know, it's just the way, yeah. the way it lives. Well, anyway, Evan, I uh, appreciate the time. This is fun. Uh, yeah. I appreciate you bearing with me for my first uh, time hosting a podcast. But great chatting, man. What do you feel? It's awesome. very impressive. Oh, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you. Uh, you having me on.